This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and we are back to school, folks. I mean, the whole topic of this week is not back to school, but I'm just wanting to pause and acknowledge for everybody who has had to do the school uniform, uh, figuring out where everything is, find the school bags, why don't my kids' feet fit in their shoes anymore, panic. You did it! Congratulations! I want to do a special shout out to everyone who sent their kids to school for the first time, those reception parents. Well done. It is a significant moment for you. Um, If you have sent them off and you're having a thousand different emotions, all of your emotions are okay. It's sort of like grief. Like some of you are like, so excited. I get my days back. And some of you are like, oh, this is like a huge loss and a grief. And it's everything in between. And I just want to say congratulations. You have gear shifted into a different season. It's not a better season. It's not a worse season. It is a different season of parenting. And you are as significant and important in your kid's life as you ever were. You just get the opportunity for more varied conversations and things. It's going to be a great season for you. So however old your kids is, whether they're going to school or not, you made it. It's September. Hurrah. Uh, This episode, we are going to have uh, my colleague Becky is a deep thinker. She's a deep, deep thinker. And uh, she is going to be talking to us about the gospel and different worldviews and how sometimes we only explain the gospel in one way to our kids. And actually, our kids are so varied that there may be a better way of expressing the truth of the gospel to our specific kids. And she's going to explore that. It's a really great topic. Uh, We're going to be answering the question, why isn't the church more like Holiday Club or New Wine or any summer conference? Because we come back from all of these experiences and uh, we go back into the routine of church. And sometimes our kids are like, why can't church be different? And how do we answer that question? And uh, the wild card section is a bit wild card, I have to say. Um, A woman alive uh, asked me to write an article about gender neutral toys and is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And uh, and so I put down my thoughts into an article. And so I'm reading you the article, uh, not because this is the way you should think, but because this was my small contribution to a very narrow question that someone asked. And uh, have a thought about that. But to start us off is Becky. When I was a kid's pastor, and also when my daughter was much younger, I remember that I would talk about the gospel in terms of Jesus saving our sins. But it often felt really flat. And I think that's maybe because most children aren't kind of really very sinful. And they're certainly not bogged down in sin like some adults get. And so hearing that Jesus was going to forgive their sins was nice news. But it didn't really kind of become potentially mind-blowing news for them. And certainly too, when I talk to teenagers, being sinful and needing saving just didn't seem to be high on their agenda. But the problem was I didn't know how to talk about the gospel any differently. Well, this summer I was at New New Wine and I went to some of Lucy Pepiat's Bible teaching on Corinthians. And she talked about something that really made me sit up. It was quite a new idea for me. And I'm still thinking about it now 
a couple of weeks later. So just in case it's helpful, I'm going to share with you my ramblings. But also just to say you're probably on this already. So it may just be me. Basically, Lucy introduced the book of 1 Corinthians and she said that Corinth had an honour shame culture. So when I got home, I googled it and it's fascinating. Basically, different cultures have different worldviews. They have different lenses, if you like, of seeing the world and what's important in it. So in Western culture, we're very big on guilt and innocence. We, we uphold the law, being right before the law is important, having our rights is important. Um, in Middle Eastern and Asian cultures, it's often about the family. It's about honour and shame. What we, do, what we do brings honour or shame on our family, who we mix with is important, our social standing, our profession. It's all down to what brings honour and what brings shame. And in some parts of Latin America and sub-Saharan Africa, the, the worldview is one of fear and power, particularly where um, the spiritual realm is very prevalent. So people live their lives um, about and it's all about getting things right so the spirits don't get upset and so you don't have to fear what they're going to do. So broadly speaking, there are three main worldviews. Guilt and innocence. It's all about being right. Honour and shame is being careful about what you do to bring honour on you and your family. And fear and power, which is about making sure that we live right because we don't want the consequences. But as I was listening to Lucy and thinking about it later, I realised that actually, although we're in predominantly a guilt-innocence culture, within that, there are people who live within the honour-shame culture and within the fear-power culture. So, for example, when I talk to kids at secondary school, it's clear that there's a massive honour-shame culture going on for them. It's all about, does your face fit? Do you associate with the right people? Are you dressed right? Are you somebody who's honoured or are you shamed? And then there are other people we know who live in a fear power culture. Maybe they're fearful of um, not being able to pay their bills or fear of being bullied or they're caught in a, um, an abusive relationship. Well, there's a great little video on YouTube I watched. It's from Global Frontiers Mission. So if you search for Global Frontiers Honour Shame video, and this explains the three worldviews and then talks about why our traditional Jesus died for your sins presentation of the gospel really doesn't work very well for the honour shame culture and for the fear power culture. And that got me thinking about how we talk about the gospel with our kids and everyone else too. At Parenting for Faith, we talk about the key tool of unwinding, which is really gently correcting misconceptions or unbalanced views of God. And making sure that we give this kind of broad view of God so we understand him better. And I wonder if when it comes to the gospel, we're not always very good at presenting a broad and balanced view of what Jesus' death means. What I mean is traditionally in this country, we present the good news for in a way that makes sense for the um guilt innocence culture jesus was god himself who loved us so much that he came to us to die for our sins to make us right before god but does that work for a teenager who's not really very bothered about sin but who is caught up in a culture where it's all about honor and shame does your face fit are you someone who is honored what about 
if they heard about Jesus, the radical who cut through society's expectations, who walked with whoever he wanted to walk with, who made time for the underdog and the unpopular, who honoured those who came to him regardless of their origins or appearance or achievements. What about if the gospel for them isn't so much about sins being forgiven, but an invitation to be honoured, to be raised up to join Jesus on his countercultural mission to bring about the kingdom of God in our society? And what about a young person who lives in fear of bullies or who's in an abusive family or is crippled by a fear of failure? What about if they heard about a Jesus who had the power to do miracles, who showed his power over evil, who could walk on water, who faced intimidation and execution with a courage and power that came directly from God? What about the gospel for them is all about giving their allegiance to this Jesus who promises to free them to do miracles in their lives and share his power and authority with them? Jesus did die to take away our sins. That's absolutely true. But the gospel is so much more than just being forgiven. It's an invitation to a glorious relationship with the King of Kings, where we make a difference by changing society from the inside out, honouring people like Jesus did and seeing them freed from their fears and the power of evil. And we do this strengthened by Jesus' own power and authority, looking forward to the glorious day when we are with him forever. Now that's a gospel I love to hear. I do hope that's helpful for you and maybe just gives you some different ways to talk about the good news of Jesus with your kids. So the question for this week is one that we keep getting asked by children, which is why isn't church more like holiday club? If you've ever had a kid go to holiday club or a Christian camp, often they can come back going, woo, that was amazing. Then they hit plain old church and they're like, oh my goodness, this is so different. Why? And uh, sometimes we need to be a bit equipped about why. And so here's some of my thoughts. You may disagree with my thoughts, uh, but uh, here's some of my thoughts. Um, one of the things I tell kids is that the reason why church isn't like Holiday Club is because it's a different thing. Uh, Holiday Club is a fun and different place to come for long periods of time where we play and meet each other and sort of learn the basics, the foundation of who God is. And a lot of people who come to Holiday Club are really new to the idea of who God is. And so we are starting in a way that um, just puts them in community, lets them experience that bit of God, that community bit. And we begin to give them the sort of basic truths of that. Where church, on the other hand, is for all of us to come together and to connect with each other and connect with God and go deeper and learn more. And so we need to have more space for that. So they they serve different functions. They do different things. Uh, another reason why it's not, not like Holiday Club is because a Holiday Club it's really just about the kids. And that's not what church is about. Church is not just about the adults or just about the kids or just about the teenagers. It's about all of us together. And that means that what a bunch of 40-year-old adults would choose to do is probably going to be different than what a bunch of 10-year-olds are going to choose to do. And so they would make different things. But when we all get together, there are things that we can all do together to connect to each other and to connect to God. And so we need to shape that differently. We need to consider them and they need to consider us and we need to find our way together, which is different than Holiday Club. But 
there are some great things that we can take from Holiday Club. So what would what worked really good for you as a child, uh, as someone who participated in the Holiday Club that you think would be great for God connection and for community in our church? What, what worked really well that we could learn from? You can ask what didn't work so well. Definitely, we don't want to learn from that. And then how can we bring those great bits of Holiday Club into our church community. Maybe it's on a Sunday, maybe it's not. And because you're a member of this community, you're someone who's powerful, what are you going to do about it? And you can have a great conversation about purpose. And so while there isn't one answer for it, I think there's lots of different routes that you can go down to explore the question, why isn't church more like Holiday Club? to the wild card section today we're wandering into gender uh we are going to talk about gender neutral toys and transgenderism dun, dun, dun. Uh, because i was asked by women alive to write an article for them about uh the worry about uh if avoiding gender specific toys is leading to a confusion for children and, and so i wrote a little article and i thought i'd share with you a little bit about what I said. Um, it feels like we can't get away from discussions about gender identity. Um, there's a BBC oh, ITV program that released about Butterfly, about following the story of a family with a transgender child. And, and it can become a big thing, this, this worry about gender roles, uh, gender uh, and sex, and all of that stuff can become quite Worrying because we get worried that are our children becoming confused? Uh, according to the Government Equalities Office, I actually did research. Yes, I did. Uh, getting an accurate account of transgender people is is difficult in the UK. Their, their best estimate is that somewhere between 0.3 and 0.7 of the UK K population is trans. That's like one in 200, uh, which is a similar statistic to how many women are colorblind. So there you go. Hmm. Things to ponder. Uh, transgender people believe that the sex, their bodies they're born with, doesn't match with their gender, the sort of way they think about themselves. Sometimes transgender individuals agree with the current gender roles, you know, what counts as feminine, what counts as masculine. Uh, sometimes they don't. Uh, but their primary emphasis is on reconciling how they think about themselves with how their bodies look. Now, that that actually is, is quite a separate issue from the gender role debate and the gender role discussion about gender neutral toys. As we continue to hear more about transgender people, we, we get worried that, that one is connected to the other, and it actually isn't very much. The debate around gender neutral toys is about how we raise our kids to work out their sex, really. They are boys and girls. And what does that mean in this society? And over the past couple of decades, society has pushed us into creating uh, boxes in some ways, visual worlds for boys and girls. Girls tend to get pink social toys, pretty soft clothing. Boys tend to get blue construction toys and spatial active things. Uh, recently, scientists have been researching whether children of dis different sexes like these different things because their brains are actually different or whether it's society creating these differences through the world we surround our kids with. And if you saw the BBC program, No More Boys and Girls, Can Our Kids Go Gender Free? You will have explored this really well. And if not, 
go on uh, BBC iPlayer and watch it because it's really interesting. Uh, Professor Gina Rippon, a UK specialist in brain imaging and neuroscience, which I think is a cool job, uh, shared how there is not a female or male brain, but that they're shapeable, sort of like plastic putty ready to be molded by childhood experiences. Uh, Therefore, much of the difference we see between boys and girls is actually shaped by us. And this difference of how we treat boys and girls when they're children appears to be detrimental to them because once a kid accepts that things are a girl thing or a boy thing, then they restrict themselves to stay within that box. But our kids can achieve and grow in the whole range of human attributes. And yet, due to these rigid enforcements of what is a girl thing or a boy thing, our kids can opt out of areas that they may really enjoy and may feel called to. We see fewer girls come into the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, maths, not because they're less capable, not because their brains can't do it, but because it hasn't been part of their culturally encouraged world since childhood. Many schools have only one or two male teachers because teaching is seen culturally as a woman's job. Now, most of us wouldn't say that, but um, but the the skills and character that go into teaching often are praised more for girls than for boys. Our boys are not often praised for being nurturing, for being encouraging, uh, for being pastoral. Uh, That doesn't seem to be something that we hold up boys and say, that is awesome and you will do powerful things with that. And so they tend to stay away from those jobs that that require those skills because we don't praise them for it and encourage them for it when they're children. I think this extends also to the church. Um, are there roles in church that see, we see as primarily feminine or masculine? Do we um, do we push evangelistic um, skills uh, to both genders? Are we are we encouraging boys and girls to invest in children and youth? Are we encouraging boys and girls to um, share their faith with boldness and courage? Uh, is the church? similarly gendered in that. And I think that's a debate for all of us to have. But the move towards a more gender neutral childhood isn't about trying to deny sex or gender or say that they don't exist. It's not about telling children you're not a boy or you're not a girl. It's about enabling those of all sex and genders to grow without the restriction of those gender boxes that cut off their opportunities for purpose, joy, and usefulness by God. Our children are so much more than their gender. By making things like character and teamwork and what God is calling them to more of a priority, we're enabling our kids to integrate the fullness of their interests, their personalities, their natural curiosity into who they are becoming. In Galatians 3, 26 and 28, Paul says that we are more than just our gender. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. People don't stop being those things when they become a Christian, but to God, our identity is in being his children, unified with each other, rather than whether we are primarily man or woman or Jewish or not. The move towards a more gender-neutral childhood isn't trying to confuse children, but rather show them that their gender is only a small part of the vast, wonderful person that they have been made to be. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your child for this week is this. God says he loves us. 
Does that mean that he wants to make us happy and for nothing ever bad to happen to us? Have an interesting theological deep dive this week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.